Every year in January, we celebrate Jesus' baptism and we tell the story. Mark tells it like this. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized in the River Jordan by John. When Jesus came up out of the water, Mark says that the heavens were torn open and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And then the voice of God was heard and God said to Jesus, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And then Mark says that the Spirit of God drove Jesus into the wilderness where he fasted and where he prayed for 40 days and where he was tempted by Satan. And Mark says that he was with the wild beasts. Every year in January, after we tell the story of Jesus's baptism, we remember our own baptism. Now, if you're like me, I was still in diapers. You can't remember your baptism at all. But when my memory eventually kicks in, I find myself already in the embrace of a loving family, a loving church, and a loving God. And all of them claim me. You know, one of the things that I love about our confirmation class every year is this opportunity to tell this group of young students who are exploring their faith, who are full of questions, uh, not only about God, but about themselves, is to remind them what God said through the prophet Isaiah when he's talking to Israel and to Judah, God's people. God says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Every year in January, I remember my baptism. I remember where I'm from. I remember an encounter that I had with, Je with Jesus, such an encounter that I knew that there was something going on. I knew that this was real. And I also knew that I needed to be a part of it somehow. In our scripture text from last Sunday's sermon, it's just uh, the verses just prior to our text for today, Jesus asks this question, what are you looking for? Where are you going? Well, for me, after said encounter, Jesus, my only real response is, I'm going with you. So now I just need to figure out what that means. Where is Jesus going? The scripture is from John 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. When he got there, he ran across Philip and said, Come, follow me. Philip's hometown was Bethsaida, the same as Andrew and Peter. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophets, is Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth, Nathanael said. Nazareth? You've got to be kidding. But Philip said, Come see for yourself. 
When Jesus saw him coming, he said, There's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Nathanael said, Where did you get that idea? You don't know me. Jesus answered, One day, long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus said, You've become a believer simply because I say I saw you one day sitting under the fig tree? You haven't seen anything yet. Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open and God's angels descending to the Son of Man and ascending again. The Word of God for the people of God. In 2003, my wife Chan and I moved to Lithuania, uh, to Countess, Lithuania, to be missionaries. Uh, we were serving with the General Board of Global Ministries of the United Methodist Church, and we were working to help reestablish the United Methodist Church in Lithuania after decades of Soviet oppression. Well, our house uh, didn't sell before we had to move uh, and leave North Carolina. And so um, it, it all went okay. Not long after we got to Lithuania, um, uh, it all went down good, but we had to deal with all of that paperwork involved with selling your house uh, from, from that distance. Well, it was a really complicated situation um, with, with the way Lithuanians and, and their system of, of notary and, and all of that. Um, so ultimately, we just realized we had to go to Vilnius, the capital city, uh, to the U.S. Embassy there. Uh, and, and so uh, one of our issues was that we knew it was going to be like an all-day affair. It was an hour-and-a-half bus ride to get there. And we just knew this was not going to be a quick thing. And, and so we had our four kids with us. And um, we didn't really know a lot of people uh, other than the, the missionaries who were there. And, and so we got some advice on who could babysit our kids and who could we trust. Uh, you know, a little anxiety there. Um, but uh, Elena babysat that day, and she eventually became our, our kids' uh, tutor and translator. So that was all cool. So it was like we expected. We were in uh, the embassy pretty much all day. Uh, by the end of the day, all the paperwork was done, everything was processed, and we were good to go. Um, and we were exhausted. And it was time for us to go home. Um, and, and so we're at the bus station, and um, approaching the, the ticket counter to buy our tickets, uh, from Vilnius to Countess to get back home to our kids. Well, we were just learning the language, and so pretty much at this point, I had mastered two Lithuanian phrases. Uh, the, the first is, kur ira tualetas, where is the toilet? And, and the second one is, artu kalbi angliške, uh, which you can guess, um, do you speak English? So I approached the, the little window in this very cold and dark uh, bus station in the capital city. And a sweet babushka lady was behind the, the window. And she looks up at me with, with eager eyes. And I say, artu kalbi angliške, knowing full well that she was not going to speak English. Uh, most of the older citizens in Lithuania uh, spoke Lithuanian or Russian or some other European language. Uh, young people kind of had a grasp on English. Um, but it was obvious what we wanted. We were in the bus station, 
And, and so using sign language, you know, the number two and us and then conus. And so she smiled and she, uh, she gave us exactly what we needed. It was pretty cool. And you know, the ticket had the numbers on it and the times. And um, so I felt kind of proud of that transaction. And we go out into the outside Bay Area where all the buses are lined up and we found our stall number and our bus number. And um, you know, we knew enough to know that we were in the right place. And the bus was there and the engine was running. And so Chan and I got on and we flashed our tickets to the bus driver. We went about halfway down the bus and we settled into some very comfortable seats. Um, and we just kind of started to doze off. You know, we were really tired. It was that good feeling, you know, at the end of the, a day like that and you just settle into this comfortable seat. Well, the bus starts to go. And I look at my watch and I was like, Chan, this bus is leaving 15 minutes early. That seemed a little odd. Then I'm just like, well, everybody must have come early. And so we were on our way. And that was like, sweet, we're going to get home earlier than, than we thought. So we're on our way. And we crash. I think we fall asleep hard. We wake up when the bus is stopping. It's now dark outside. And Chan asks me what's going on. Um, some people are getting off the bus. And I look out the window and I'm like, oh, we're at a rest area. I could see this little building and there were some vending machines in there and people are getting off. And I looked at her and says, do you need to go pee? Or do you want a snack from the vending machine? And she's like, oh no, I'm just gonna stay right here. And I'm like, me too. And so we just kind of lean back uh, on the window and she's leaning on me and we fall asleep again. Um, it couldn't have been just minutes later uh, we're awakened to um, an officer screaming at us. It was actually a, 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 a border patrol officer. The bus was completely empty. Chan and I were the only ones left sitting on it. We didn't understand a word he was saying, but it was very obvious with his body language and his motioning that we were to get off the bus. Um, and so we grabbed uh, what little stuff that we had and, and we got off the bus. Uh, a little dazed and a little confused, only to discover um, that we were on uh, the border of Lithuania and Belarus. So um, we're, we're shuttled over to, to this area where there are more officers and we're confused and they're looking at us like, who are you people? Um, I won't go into detail about all of the sign language and, and efforts at communication, some wonderful help from someone who spoke English and uh, Lithuanian and Russian. We thought we were stranded there for the night. Um, it was like 9.30 at night. Just so happened the last bus coming out of Belarus into Lithuania uh, was coming through at 10. We had to buy another ticket. Uh, we were just grateful that we were able to get on a right bus and go in the right direction. We were on the bus to Minsk. We were going the wrong way. We thought we knew where we were going. You know, the problem was, as I remember all of that, is we did not understand their language and we didn't understand the system. January 6. January 6 was a really tough day for us to handle. To be honest with you, I don't really know what to say. 
I know that I don't have to recount the events of that day for you. I know that you are disturbed by it all. I'm disturbed by it all too, all of it. I don't understand. Uh, I'm sure you don't either. A couple of things kind of float to the surface in the midst of all of it. <laughs> One was just the, the, the clear difference in the way law enforcement responded to the group that was there. I know you've seen that on the news and read about that as well. That was very disturbing for me. After all that we've been through in this past year, one thing, it shed a very clear light in my mind on the fact that our problem in this country is with the system. It's a systemic problem and that something is badly broken. There's another part of January the 6th that disturbed me, and that was the church's presence in the Capitol on that day. A friend of mine sent me an article, and, and the author of this article said that, that what happened was um, a Christian insurrection, that it was the Christian church that invaded and occupied the Capitol. And, and this author was a conservative Christian author. And I was stunned by the statement and I'm like, no, no, no. But there were a lot of Jesus saves signs. There were a lot of people carrying Christian flags uh, and, and crosses. I, I know from things that I've read that uh, a lot of pastors encouraged their congregations to get on the bus to the Capitol. And they did. Now, you know me, you know that I really try to assume the best about people. And so I realize that sometimes people get on the wrong bus and just trust that they're going the right way. I know I've been there. I also know that I strongly disagree with, with that. I'm in, a, I'm in a different place with that. This might feel like a, a political sermon and, it, and it's not a political sermon. Um, not that there's inherently anything wrong with just talking about politics because Jesus was certainly embedded in it and it was uh, so much of what we read about him in the New Testament was this political thing. Um, we don't endorse any kind of political party or political way. We endorse this idea that all of us are Republican, Democrat, Green Party, uh, whatever other parties there are. Uh, we're a mixture of people with different philosophies and ideologies. But we're all together following Jesus. And, and that's what unites us. And that's what's important. And I will, I will say... I heard President-elect Joe Biden speak on one of the days following all of this. And he praised his opponent, his enemy, and he even said as much. He says, I have fought Mitch McConnell and I have been on the other side of the aisle passionately, vehemently going at it. But he praised um, the majority leader of the Senate uh, for, for his actions and for his stance. And then the next thing that he said, 
Uh, it made my heart pound a little bit, actually. It gave me hope, actually. He said, we need a strong Republican Party. Like, I'm pulling for you guys to figure this out and be a strong party. Like, we need the opposition party. I think it was a way of saying power cannot go unchecked. Regardless of how much we disagree and how passionately we disagree, and maybe even how passionately we don't like each other, we need each other. We're better together. I believe that. In our text for today, I think about this question of where is Jesus going? Um, John, um, he, he tells us um, on, on the next day, um, Jesus goes to Galilee. And in Galilee, he says he found Philip. When I read that out, I was like, was he intentionally looking for Philip? Like was Philip on his mind and he was going after Philip and he found him? And then John tells us that Philip went and found his good friend, Nathaniel. And he says to Nathaniel, we found him. We found the one that Moses wrote about. You know, there's just been this ancient search for the Messiah, the new king. A very political thing they were involved in. And it was like they're all finding each other. It's this story about, about finding each other. And I'm sure... Maybe not Nathaniel, because in this encounter, Jesus praises Nathaniel as a good and upright, like a man of integrity, no deceit. But I'm sure maybe some of the other disciples, when, when Jesus finds them and chooses them, they, they got to be wondering, why in the world would you choose me, the likes of me? But I think it's probably also very true that as they're following Jesus to all these different places, and, and, and maybe more accurately, as they follow Jesus, who's looking for all of these different people, they're completely surprised by that because the places that Jesus goes and the people that Jesus looks for is like the blind people and, and the lepers, the prostitutes, tax collectors, the Gentiles, the women, the rich people, the poor people, the Gentiles. Broken people. Now, if I believe God's claim on me, remembered in my baptism, then I have to believe God's claim on you. It doesn't matter how different you and I are, how far apart we're standing doesn't even matter if we like each other or not. We're in this together. And we're better together. Mm -hmm. Yes, the buckets got full. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. 
their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit, and by this gift of water, call to our remembrance the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you have washed away our sins, and you clothe us with righteousness throughout our lives, that dying and rising with Christ, we may share in his final victory. So Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism, loved and, and claimed by Almighty God. He goes into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days and he prays and he faces the demons. And then he proceeds to live his life and give his life for the brokenness. Remember your baptism and do the same. Amen.